Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together.
Please rise for the call to worship. The trumpet of the Lord sounds, calling us to examine our souls. For we have not only met temptation, but we have felt its grip. The trumpet of the Lord sounds, calling us to mend our ways. For we have not only committed sin, but we have felt its sting. The trumpet of the Lord sounds, calling us to rend our hearts. For we have not only witnessed forgiveness, but we have felt its power. Let us worship God. As we prepare to confess our sins, hear these words from 2 Corinthians. On behalf of Christ, we entreat you to be reconciled to God. For our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. For God says, at an acceptable time I have listened to you, 
and on the day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time, and now is the time of forgiveness. With hope and with expectation, let us confess our sins. Merciful God, in your gracious presence we confess our sin and the sin of this world. Although Christ is among us as our peace, we are a people divided against ourselves as we cling to the values of a broken world. The profit and pleasures we pursue lay waste the land and pollute the seas. The fears and jealousies that we harbor set neighbor against neighbor and nation against nation. We abuse your good gifts of imagination and freedom, of intellect and reason, and have turned them into bonds of oppression. Lord, have mercy upon us, heal and forgive us, set us free to serve you in the world as agents of your reconciling love in Jesus Christ. from Isaiah. You shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and God will say, here I am. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places. You shall be like a watered garden and a spring of water whose waters never fail. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. join me up front. (laughs) Did y'all have a good weekend? Okay, I'm going to call you up in just a minute, okay? All right. Well, I have a story to tell you. There was a man named Nicodemus who came to visit Jesus. Now, Nicodemus was a very, very smart man. And he had heard Jesus talking, and he went, okay, look, I don't get something. 
You say we're supposed to be born again? Well, this is, this is an adult. He doesn't want to be born again, does he? Yeah, it sounds kind of weird. I need, would you come up here and help me? I brought something today that I think will help. You can't show anybody what's in here, okay? Okay. But I brought something that I think will help us understand. And this is kind of hard to find in February. What do I have here? No. Caterpillars. Caterpillars. Yes. Caterpillars are, um, hmm, what are caterpillars? Describe a caterpillar. Yeah, it's kind of long, sometimes fuzzy, kind of, um, let's see if I can get one out here. Okay, here. Would, would you hold my caterpillars here? <clears throat> okay, so they're kind of long, and they're kind of fuzzy, and they're kind of hard to find in February. And, um, <clears throat> oh, it's not moving very much, is it? Well, maybe it's not really real. Anyway, here we have our caterpillar, and uh, caterpillars are worms. Nobody would ever tell you that a caterpillar was, I don't know, beautiful, would they? Yeah, some of them are kind of cute, but not really beautiful. Anybody know what happens to a caterpillar? Well, it does. It goes in and it wraps itself in these cocoons and it wraps itself all up. And something really special happens to it. It stays in this little cocoon for a long time. And after a while, it comes out a brand new well, that doesn't look like the caterpillar, does it? This is sort of what Jesus was saying. He was saying, you know, you have to be born again. Now, Jesus doesn't take us and just slap some paint on our wings and, and stick some little antennas off our head. He actually makes a brand new creature out of us. That's what it means to be born again. Now, just out of curiosity, would you rather be the little squirmy worm or the butterfly? 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 That's what I thought too. All right, well, let's pray together in three, two, one. Dear Lord, we thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for us to help us be born again. Thank you for helping us to become like the butterfly. And in Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Let us pray. Journey with us, O holy God, as we continue our way to the cross. Sharpen our focus that our attention may center more on you than on ourselves. Lead us through the shadows of darkness and prepare our hearts that we might be a people of prayer, ready to perceive and respond to your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Those who are able are invited to rise for the reading of our first lesson, which comes to us from the prophet Ezekiel, in the 36th chapter, verses 20 through, 22 through 27. Listen now to God's word. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, 
but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when through you I display my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and make you follow my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
Once again, those who are able are invited to stand. For our second lesson from the Gospel of John in the third chapter. So we hear the the account of Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus. Listen to God's word speak to your life today. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, the leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said this to you. You must be born from above, born again. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to Jesus, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that everyone who believes in Him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world in Him might be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So we're into our second Sunday in the season of Lent following a sermon series entitled Simple Jesus. And what is it that we want to accomplish in this season of Lent and through these sermons? Well, I would hope that we would, number one, know Scripture better. As we go into these weekly readings, these encounters with the Word of God, that we would come to know Jesus Himself better through Scripture The second thing is, as we encounter Jesus, I would hope and pray that we would know more of who He is and what it means to follow Him. And so we're going to stay in this series in the Gospel of John and look at these encounters where Jesus meets people where they are and teaches them through these encounters, encourages them, and takes the situations where these people find themselves and shows them a life that is larger and more hopeful, more fulfilling, more of life that is truly life than it was before. It's been said about the gospel, this encounter with Jesus Christ, that Jesus doesn't take bad people 
and make them good, but Jesus takes dead people and brings them to life. So over the next five Sundays, I pray that as we look into the Gospel of John and encounter Jesus Christ himself, that we will allow Scripture and the living Christ to teach us as we encounter him, to be challenged, to be illumined, to be encouraged. My prayer is that we will be brought to that life which is truly life. Will you pray with me, please? Loving God, we find ourselves here in your house with your people. We find ourselves here on this day in your creation. And we pray that by your grace and your Holy Spirit that you will meet us where we are. Some of us have less of life ahead of us than we do behind us. Some of us may be at a midpoint, so to speak, on this journey, and others of us have only just begun. But wherever we find ourselves, we pray that you would find us. And that in finding us, you would take us then to where you want us to be. As your faithful people. And we pray this, Lord, not just for ourselves as individuals, but this is our prayer for your church in this place. Take us as a body of believers to where it is you want us to be. For your glory and our good, and the good of all your people, in Jesus' name, amen. In John's Gospel, Jesus spends more time in his encounters with people than you see in the other three Gospels. There is a longer account of the encounter. There is more dialogue that is revealed or that is shared between Jesus and the other individual. And today in John 3, we meet Nicodemus and we see this, this longer conversation, this encounter that, that occurs as Jesus met Nicodemus in this text, or Nicodemus met Jesus in this text, let me tell you that I met a Nicodemus. I'll tell you about that in just a moment. But to see where we are in this place in John's Gospel and Jesus' life, I want us to rewind just for a moment back to the first chapter of John to remind ourselves of what has transpired thus far. We know that in the early part of the first chapter of John, the, John the Baptist sees Jesus and, and, and identifies him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we know that then Jesus encounters John and there John says, I am not worthy to even lace up your sneakers, Jesus. But Jesus says, to fulfill all righteousness, I will be baptized by you. And so John relents and baptizes Jesus. 
And as Jesus is baptized and others were baptized on that day, there are those who encountered Jesus as well and began to follow him, the scriptures tell us. Maybe some of those who were following John now turn and begin to follow Jesus after the baptism. Let me ask this question, is baptism important? Is baptism important? Can someone love the Lord and not be baptized? Well, the answer is yes. Is someone who is not baptized going to go to hell? The answer is no. If someone has decided that they want to be baptized and are going to church on that day and in the process of traveling to the church get hit by a bus and they are killed, they are not going to go to hell. But is baptism important? I hope we would answer yes. So let me ask you this question. Is marriage important? Is a wedding important? I hope we would also answer yes. That on that day when a man and a woman make their vows to each other before friends and family in the presence of God, God's self, to say that they will take a vow forsaking all others for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health throughout all their days, Yes, that is an important event that makes a difference and changes the dynamics of that relationship forever. In some circles, it is a sacrament. There's a tangible sign that goes with the vows and the blessings, and it's a ring. And I believe we would all say that wedding is important, and so it is with baptism. It is an important event. It is a covenant. It is a confirmation of what God has done for us before we even know who God is. In the Presbyterian church, when we baptize babies, it, it is such a powerful symbol of, of the fact that God has done for that child in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection Something that is not even comprehensible to that little infant. But it is something that we come to know as we grow in grace. That is why it becomes so important that at confirmation, that at public profession is made to the level of understanding that we can have of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Master of my life. So yes, we can say baptism is a big deal. Jesus models baptism for us. And now there are those who, having encountered Jesus at his baptism, begin to follow Jesus. And Jesus then goes to his hometown and he goes to a party. And I like what that says about Jesus, that Jesus is a person who attends parties. It happens to be a wedding party, a reception, a celebration of a wedding. And we know that at that particular gathering, that the unspeakable, the unthinkable happens and they run out of wine, but Jesus is there and performs His first sign and changes the water into wine. And it is not just any wine. It is the best wine and it is in extravagant quantities. 
And the disciples see this sign and they believe him. They see the miracle and they believe all the more. And then Jesus goes to the temple. And, and it's in the temple that, that John records Jesus' reaction to what's going on in his father's house. And Jesus says, it's become a business. It's become an enterprise. It's become a place where merchandise is sold and people pass through as a shortcut. Is this not my Father's house? A house of prayer? Where the relationship with my Father is fostered and cherished? Jesus is saying that the relationship with my Father is not just a part of life. It's not just a piece of life. It is a way of life. It is life itself. And then at the end of chapter 2, in verse 23, it says that, that there are those who continue to follow Jesus and, and believe in Him. But then it follows in verse 24 by saying something interesting, that Jesus was not in entrusting Himself to them because He knew what was in the heart of people. It's almost if, if Jesus is saying, it, it is fine if you believe in me and the signs that you see, but, but I am looking for something deeper. And just a belief in me is a miracle worker or one who does signs. Jesus is looking for something more in that relationship. We hear this very early in John's Gospel, and then we come to chapter 3, where Nicodemus comes to encounter Jesus at night. And what we need to know and understand about Nicodemus is that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was of the ruling class of Jewish society. He was the top of the totem pole. He was, he was the one who had all the power in Jewish society. He was a religious leader, a political figure, a scholar, all rolled into one. Jesus could never have gotten an audience with Nicodemus. But yet it is interesting that Nicodemus comes to have audience with Jesus. And Nicodemus comes with the same kind of statement or understanding that we have seen in the previous places in John's Gospel where Nicodemus is saying, I see all of these things that you are doing, Jesus. I, I hear about these signs that you are performing. And no one can do these things unless God is with him. But what's going on here? It's what Nicodemus is asking. And Jesus takes the con conversation to a, a deeper level, saying that it, it, belief in me is not all that I am about. Just knowing about me is not all that I am about. I have a friend who is, it may be fair to say, addicted to a little column, a cartoon of sorts called Coffee with Jesus. And she posts these on Facebook and shares them with me and they're really quite pithy but insightful and cutting little cartoons and just recently one was posted where there is a young man in a suit and tie and Jesus in the panels is in his first century garb and they each have their 
cup of coffee. It's coffee with Jesus. And the young man is saying to Jesus, Jesus, I have decided that I'm going to seminary. And Jesus responds in the next panel, that's a wonderful thing. And then in the next panel, the young man is saying, and, and I am going to, to study the ancient languages, and I am going to learn theology, and I am going to have a Master's of Divinity degree. degree. And then the last panel, Jesus says, please do not mistake knowledge about me for a relationship with me. And Jesus is looking for that new relationship, not just a new attitude, a new posture, but a new life in Him. And He says, He speaks to this by speaking of being born again, born from above. This, this term, born again, is not one that is so very popular or positive in today's terminology. I think we we would agree. Maybe it has been hijacked in some ways by culture and born-again Christians have been turned into a voting block. Who are the, the born-again Christians going to support? Are the born-again Christians going to vote for so-and-so? And, and, and it's this walled-off category of, of, of this definition of what a born-again Christian is. And either you're in or you are out. But it seems like a rather unfortunate way for Christians to be defined. Because in and of itself, this word born again is difficult to define. The word that Jesus uses in Greek is anothen. And there's not really a good translation for it. And it's interesting that it's really not used elsewhere in Scripture. Except here in this encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus. This idea of being born from above, being born again, birthed anew. Maybe Jesus was using this word on purpose. Nicodemus asked how this is accomplished, this being born again. Can a person be born again when they are old? Can a grown person enter again a second time his mother's womb? Is it possible, Jesus? Why does Nicodemus go there with the question? Does he really not understand why would he ask such a question? And I believe the answer is, is that Nicodemus has come to a point in his life where he is being honest. He is being vulnerable enough to ask Jesus, is this life that I've been living all there is? Is this all that this life is about? And this is a change for me in my understanding of who Nicodemus is because I've kind of painted Nicodemus as, as this opinionated and highfalutin Pharisee that just didn't get it. But I have come to see in Nicodemus this, this old man in, in his life that, that had reached a level of accomplishment that only a very small and rare percentage of that population would have achieved. He is coming with this vulnerability and honesty and saying, is this it or is there more? 
St. Augustine, one of the patriarchs of the church, writes about this God-shaped void that each one of us have in us. We are created with it. A God-shaped void inside each of us. And that we keep on our own efforts trying to fill it. Trying to take the things of the world, the things of creation, and, 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 and fill up this aching emptiness that, that we are really born with, in a sense. By putting into it job and career, by putting into it family and if I, if I exercise, if I read the right books, if I attain enough power, if I, if I get enough money or pursue sexual pleasures or, or, or get the right relationships. And we shove all of these things into that void, hoping that we can fill it. But Augustine goes on to say that the greatest moment in life is when one surrenders to the fact that no matter how much we shove into this God-shaped void, it will not be filled with anything other than God. Nicodemus seemed like he had it all. He had experienced successes and failures. He had known the fullness of life. But he also had the courage to understand what every Pharisee had at that time, which is a God-shaped void that had not been filled. And Nicodemus saw something in Jesus and he took a risk To go to Him and to ask Him, is this all there is? And my guess is, is that some of us may be in a similar place if we are honest and vulnerable about it. And I know that I don't have to convince all of you and as I do not have to convince myself of that ache that we may experience. But like Nicodemus, it's coming to that place that where we can confess and admit and surrender to the fact that we know there is something more. There's a new life. There's a different life. There is a life that is truly life and it is found only in Jesus Christ. Now I told you that I met a Nicodemus. It was yesterday. I went down to Bainbridge, Georgia for the Presbytery meeting. And it was some months ago, maybe even more than a year ago, that at the Presbytery meetings that we decided to break up the, the mundane, boring agendas of our gatherings to invite a local person or two to stand up and give a personal testimony. To witness from their own personal experience how God has been at work in their lives. And it's called God in My Life. 
And so after hearing reports and looking at budget sheets and voting on overtures and doing this, that, and the other, we'll pause and we'll hear from someone. Such was the case in Bainbridge yesterday. And a lady named Nancy came walking up to the pulpit and she said, I feel very inadequate to be speaking to a congregation of elders and pastors, no less. And I told my friend that I didn't think I would be able to do it. And my friend told me that Satan... Say, get behind me, Satan, and you just go talk to those people straight from your heart like you talk to me. And so Nancy said, what I'm going to do is imagine that we are around my kitchen table or in my den and we're just sitting there and I'm just going to talk to you. And she started talking. And she told us about the fact that she was born in Bainbridge and she loved her father. He made her feel like a princess, but her father fell ill suddenly and died when she was five years old leaving her mother and her eight-year-old brother. And her mother raised those two heroically over the next several years. Nancy went on to say that she married and became a school teacher and taught for 30 years until her retirement. And when she came to that point in her life, she said, she said, Lord, is this all there is? You know, I'm a good person. And she said when she asked that question, the Lord started calling her into different avenues of ministry that she had never considered before. And she started becoming more active in the church. And as she started becoming more active in the church, she then said to God again, God, I am a good religious person. I take casseroles to people. I teach Sunday school. I visit the sick. But Lord, is this all there is? How good is good enough? And she said that the Lord spoke to her and said, Nancy, you are so busy being good. And she said, you know what busy means, don't you? Being under Satan's yoke. Sometimes we get so busy trying to be good that we aren't as effective as God would want us to be. And she said, I got unbusy because what God then said to me, what the Lord spoke to me was, Nancy, just stop. I want you to get to know me. I want you to know who I am. I want to be in a relationship with you. And as this piece of her life began to unfold, she said she got quiet and she became more available to God. And she said, this is the word that He spoke to her. Surrender. And she said, I did. And it was then that my phone rang. And it was a ministry in Bainbridge called house of friendship house of friendship of Jesus or excuse me friendship house of Jesus and she told the story about friendship house of Jesus and how another school teacher had grown frustrated in, in, in not being able to pray with or speak to her children about matters spiritual and things of faith because she would get in trouble 
And so what she did is she continued teaching, but she would go on Saturdays with a Bible and a blanket and sit down on the grass in the project and invite the children to come and hear a Bible story. And before she knew it, the blanket got too small and there were too many children filling up the blanket and, and they just kept coming. This woman said that we needed to do something different and, and, and God provided a house for them, which is Friendship House. Actually, there was a house that they started in and not the one that they're in now. A new construction, two stories high. And she said, it was that ministry that I was called to. And we began praying and praying, God, what else is it that you want us to do through this ministry? And they, they were welcoming children after school into Friendship House where they would come and finish their homework, get a snack, and go eagerly to a Bible class, have some recreation time and worship before a parent would come and pick them up. Lord, what else do you want us to do? And Nancy told us about the ministry that she has been called into to not only minister to the children, but to the mothers in the projects. And she said, I, I started a class of, of, of literacy because there were women, grown women who could not read, and so we are offering classes for them, a GED readiness. And I'm teaching a class to, to mothers about how they can interact with their children. And the, I, I will have the mothers come in and just ask them to sit down on the floor. And she said that they would first say, I'm not sitting on any floor because if I get down on the floor, I can't get up. But Nancy sat on the floor. The mothers joined her with her babies and she taught them how to play with her babies and interact with their babies and just basic skills of being a mother that we take for granted. As I said, God has provided for them a new facility, a beautiful two-story building and, 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 and Nancy poured her heart out to us and when she walked down from the, the lectern that day, she came down the aisle upon which I was sitting and I grabbed her hand and I said, Nancy, thank you so much for sharing your heart and your passion with us today. I said, I'd like to see Friendship House of Jesus. She gave me a card and said, call me when you finish your meeting. And I said, if it works out, I will. And so we finished the meeting. I'm sorry, I'm so excited about this. And so we finished the meeting. And I wanted to drive back to Columbus. I've been in meetings all day. But I called Nancy and she met me over there and I saw this place myself. Nancy's excited as a teenager. We stood at the front porch of Friendship House of Jesus and she said, you know, this stuff is real. And Jesus said, you must be born again. And I'm thinking, she's quoting me my scripture text. She said, it's real. I was this and now I am something completely different. And you know, when this transformation happened in my life, my friends didn't want to be around me anymore because I didn't do the things or say the things that I did or that they did or that I used to do. But that's okay. I may not have some of those friendships anymore, but I've got this whole other set of relationships in this life that is truly life. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing transformation. And, and, and what I want to say is, I'm going to go back down to Bainbridge 
when those children are there. And if anybody wants to go with me, I, I would like to know about it. And we'll go down there and see this thing live and in person. You must be born again. So what happened to old Nicodemus after this encounter with Jesus that God loves the world so much that He would send His Son, He would send me down here to die for you so that you would not die the death you deserve but know life now and full and rich and eternal. What happens to Nicodemus after all of this? Well, you have to go to the end of the Gospel of John to find out because he pops up. And it says in the 19th chapter, in the 38th verse, And after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. Jesus is crucified. He is dead. And Pilate grants Joseph permission. And he came, therefore, and took Jesus' body away. And verse 39, And Nicodemus came also. His encounter with Jesus Christ had changed him. He met the living Christ, and was changed. And I feel very sure he met in the crucified Christ, one who changed him. And I am absolutely guaranteed that in the risen Christ that Nicodemus also met, he was a new creature. His identity was found in Jesus Christ. And I pray that that will be the case for us, that we will surrender, that we will confess, that we will be vulnerable enough to risk that encounter with Jesus, that we might be transformed and find our identity in Him as His children and as His church. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. In response to the word, let's stand. And say what it is that we believe using the Apostles' Creed. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us continue our Lenten journey this morning in our worship as we pray for ourselves and for others. O Jesus, who wept over the death of Lazarus, be with all those who grieve. O Jesus, who wept over the state of Jerusalem, be with our cities, our towns, and our centers of worship. O Jesus, who wept alone in Gethsemane, be with all those who feel alone, all those who face difficult decisions. O oh, Jesus, who cried, 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Be with all those who are victims. O Jesus, who offered up prayers with loud cries and tears, hear our prayers of silence. O living God, who knows all of our pain and our joy, be with us in our lives. We pray all this in the name of Jesus the Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I'd like to welcome those of you who are worshiping with us here this morning, either here in the sanctuary at Spring Harbor or via the television. Invite those of you who are in the sanctuary here to fill out the friendship pads located at the end of the aisles and pass those along to those seated next to you. While we do that, I'd like to highlight a few of the announcements. Uh, Next week, following the 11 o'clock service, we will be having an annual meeting here in the sanctuary, and we encourage you to be a part of that. I'd also like to thank Branson again for sharing his gifts with us this morning. That was a very wonderful piece, so thank you. Uh, The Wednesday night suppers continue with our Lenten series called Simple Truth, Simple Faith. They're on Wednesday night supper at 5.30, and there's a program to follow, the adult program, children's program, and youth program, so we encourage you and invite you to be part of that. Also, the VIP bed race, which was scheduled to be yesterday, has been postponed until this coming Saturday, March 2nd. And the events will start at 11.30, taking place over by the YMCA, the countries uh, downtown here. encourage you to come out for that and support our youth. Our youth are racing two beds in this event. It's a big event that's used to raise money for the VIP program that helps support homeless families in this community. And they put uh, these big mattresses on these big bed things. You can see them out here in the narthex, and they race them down the street. So I encourage you to be a part of that event. It should be fun. Uh, There are many more announcements in our bulletin and on our website, but let us now continue to worship God with the presentation of our tithes and our offerings.
God and Father, you overwhelm us with your great mercy. At the time of our greatest need, you surprised us with your wonderful love. Jesus offered his life for us to remove our dreadful curse. And as you draw us into this renewing relationship of love, may we respond with gratitude as we offer the substance of our souls to continue the ministry of Christ. For his name and glory we pray and present our gifts. Amen. Children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, go forth from this place walking in the light of His holiness. And as you go, go in hope, go in peace, go in joy, go love and serve the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.